0: Hello and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Jason Volcana. Jason has a huge passion for serving and minding others through his work as a psychologist, a clinical hypnotherapist, and founder of D4 Clinic, as an author, a journalist, a trainer, and a stage hypnotist. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure to be here. Thanks, Jason. You're so welcome. And, Jason, can you start off by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to hear? Uh, So my journey started back in 2008 um, into this
1: sort of world where I had spent a decade previous working in the newspaper industry with the Sunday Independent at a very high level. And uh, as I always say to people, after one court case too many, I sort of got out of the media once and for all in 2006 And I was producing a a stage show called the Irish Rat Pack, um, doing events and so on. And I was making a living, very good living out of it. And I I kind of found myself kind of lost during the day. So with my career sort of over in media, I decided uh, to sort of go back to college. Um, I had originally looked at studying Chinese and business and had gone to Shanghai. Uh, but when I was over there, I didn't really enjoy it that much. So I came back, changed my the CAO choice to psychology because i had always had an interest through my father in positive psychology and sort of Anthony Robbins stuff. And, you know, how to obtain, you know, change your lifestyle and change who you are and who, where you come from really shouldn't determine where you're going to. And, you know, basically, it doesn't matter. I come from a very working class area called Walkinstown, Don't have much of a leaving cert. Uh, did an apprenticeship as a, as a, as a waiter after school because that was the only thing I was qualified for because I had failed Irish and maths and I'd worked in hotels for my family. So I sort of just sort of fell into that while waiting for something bigger to come along and um, and got into Ballyfermot College when I was in 96, 98. Became very successful, very quick as a journalist. Um, and by a year out of college, I was writing the back page of the Sunday Independent, which at that stage was the biggest read uh, newspaper in the country. Uh, Fast forward to 2006, another court case, decided that was it then, just tired of fighting, got out of it, went back to college, and in 2008 started a honours degree in DBS as a mature student. did that for three years and by night studying as well. So I did day course, doing full degree. And then at night I did like my first year, I did counselling with Maynooth College. Second year of college, while doing the degree in the day, I did uh, CBT mindfulness uh, with the Irish Institute of Counselling up on Uh And then the third year I trained to do hypnotherapy. Uh, with Neve, uh, who was the National Guild's uh, trainer sort of in Ireland at the stage. She was referred to me by the wife of the late Paul Golden, who I was friends with, uh, the famous Irish hypnotist. So did the course more or less just thinking it would be a bit of crack. i clicked click my fingers and do a sort of thinking what everyone thinks, that it's, you know, the keep Barry, Darren Brown stuff. And uh, I sort of learned, you know, no, it isn't like that. So I then got, got my degree in 2011, Uh, Got a good result and got a place in Trinity College um, to do a master's in applied psychology. Um, So my degree thesis had been in humor therapy, which is how humor can help anxiety and stress and so on. And then uh, for cancer patients. And then my further master's research Uh, in trinity was based on all the cancer centers pretty much in Leinster, and we worked with patients to help them using humor therapy and hypnotherapy because i just qualified at that stage in that as well um and found out that we could reduce their anxiety and stress levels to a significant level blah 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 the academic stuff um by using hypnosis and humor therapy and um and that was the same it was 2011 i graduated and then went into trinity and finished in 2012 and I opened the, the D4 clinic in the sort of front room, of my house in Ringsend uh, then. And it's sort of been a, a
0: a rocket to the moon since then over the past decade or so. Wow, man. What an amazing journey. And I suppose it shows, you know, as you said, like, you know, coming from, you know, like it, it doesn't matter what background if you come from. If you put in the hard work and if you have a passion and if you have a curiosity into something, you know, you can make it happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's really... My success is... I've been successful in three or four lines of business. I was very successful as a waiter when I was a young man. I worked on the QE2. I worked in Disney on the opening crew. I worked in the top restaurants and hotels in Dublin. But then when I went to journalism, again, just coming from a waiter background to go to Bali Fair, I wasn't going uh, coming to journalism from UCD or Trinity like a lot of people. I didn't have any connections or background. But I, um, I worked, I think, the practical side of me, that I, I become... I often refer to myself like Sherlock Holmes in a way. Like they, When they talk about, you read, I was a big fan of Sherlock Holmes as a kid. When you read about Sherlock Holmes through Art of Conan Doyle's eyes, it said that Holmes didn't know about anything. He had no knowledge of sport. He had no knowledge about politics. He had no knowledge about this, that, and the other. But what he did have knowledge on, it was 100%. So... That's the way I've sort of led my life. When I was working in the media, I only worked on the media. I was a gossip columnist, entertainment journalist. And that's all I did. I have no interest in sport, I have no interest in drugs, I have no interest in drinking, I have no interest in smoking, I have no interest in football. I've no I literally, it's a hundred percent that and zero anything else. And I took that attitude into producing when I put together the Irish Rap Pack. Ended up doing 120, 130 shows a year. Uh brought to Vicar Street, bought at the Olympia. Again, exact same mindset. Ignore everything else, just do that. And then when I went to the journal or into psychology, uh, it was exactly the same thing again. And then when I moved sort of, I consider myself a psychologist who specializes in hypnosis uh, rather than a hypnotist standalone um so that would be my sort of if someone asked me what do I do I said I'm a psychologist by training but I specialize in hypnosis and and but it's been the same ever since so today and since 2011 2012 all I do is hypnosis so I do hypnosis now in my clinic in the day I do media for hypnosis I do conferences for hypnosis I do events in the evening for hypnosis I do downloads for hypnosis I don't do anything else so you don't I don't go to bar. you know my family and my kids the only two things in my life are hypnosis and my family and kids there's nothing else as I said I, I'm not uh, into sports I'm not into uh, drinking I'm not into gambling I'm not into anything I literally it's 100% of my waking hours. So that's the way I do it. And that's, it's worked very well for me over the past 20 years or so.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And look at Jason, obviously, obviously, it's clear that your passion is people it's, it's helping people so diving deeper into how you mind others and again that amazing toolkit that you have you know your psychologist clinical therapist you've done the cbt and the counseling and the mindfulness um and all at d4 clinic like basically when someone comes to you like i suppose let's say you know especially since the pandemic, we've all heard about, you know, everyone's swimming in a sea of stress and there's anxieties and fears. And I think that there's a, 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 everyone has the lockdowns and the COVID. Um, so, you know, like, but, but at the same time, it's all, everyone's kind of in a rush to get back to normal. So, you know, like with that in mind, you know, like when someone comes to you, you know, is, is there any particular issues that are showing up for you at the moment since the, the lockdowns and COVID? And where do you start off with those people? Well, I suppose I, I've i always looked uh, first off when it comes to COVID and so on.
1: Again, I wouldn't be any way a COVID denier or anything along those lines, but I just because I know that you're, you're always interested and your listeners are interested in sort of the well being side of it. So, the, the first thing is when it came to COVID and came to the whole lockdown vibe. I didn't get involved. And what I mean by that is, of course, I watched the news and so on, but I didn't let it interfere with me or my family. So I still worked. Um, we moved the business model from I purely up to COVID. I only did sort of face-to-face clients. That was it. Never sold a session online, never did anything else. It was just come to the clinic and see me, blah, blah, blah. So we pivoted that to online, which became hugely successful and still is, uh, to downloads and so on. So I used COVID to my own personal advantage. Then when it came to clients, we found that it was one or the other. First thing we found with with people with COVID before and since is that weight gain um, or weight loss were the two things. So people used covid to get fit, to get healthy, as we all know, between banana bread and walks and getting pets and, you know, people making that decision to okay, I've got this time now. I'm gonna a lot of people I know in the entertainment industry, you know, got in because they've nothing to do. They got into running or got into fitness and so on and so on. And then you had the other side of things. Fifty percent of the other population who decided, well, COVID, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit in my house and you know eat Pringles all day. Uh, And then we came out towards the end of COVID, during COVID, it was downloads. And after COVID, it's been people coming to the clinic uh, for weight loss. Weight loss is is sort of my thing. I do it um, every day. Um, And then I also find, you know, I I can't say in all honesty that I found a spike in this or this or this. I work in a very unique way in my clinic. Um, The majority of people I see, I see only once i consider myself a solution-based therapist i'm not one of these people like a lot of therapists around the country cbt or hypnotherapists who will say oh look it's going to cost you two grand in 20 sessions let's see where we are after that i don't believe in it i think it's a waste of their money and my time so the way i get around that is if you come to me i charge a premium but i will pretty much help most people there and then on the session i will also record my session on their phone so they can read it at home so what we're both getting out of that is that they're getting value for money they're getting a session they can redo at home and i'm not you know i don't i can't deal with the guilt of somebody coming in week in week out paying them pay me 100 quid or whatever they charge and not giving them a solution and that will then add to their anxiety their stress and so on so on so as i said i'm very much based on fixing problems for any client that comes in the door and uh, thankfully in a lot of cases i can do that
0: i suppose jason with that toolkit that you have i suppose you have the luxury of dipping into that you know um again we talked earlier on that you know like having that kind of medical clinical background which is invaluable isn't it
1: i think i have a problem with a lot of hypnotherapists who have uh, as you know as people have mentioned who are sort of a bin man or a postman on a Friday, they go and do a weekend course with somebody who with, with no academic qualifications, pretty much a made-up course. You know, it could be the Mickey Mouse School of Hypnosis. Um, and then been told by people with no training, who are only hypnotherapists who have no medical training either, uh, and no psychology training, have no nursing training, no dentistry training, no medical training, no counselling training, uh, that, oh yeah, hypnotherapy, uh, this is my problem, and I've had friction with people in the past over this, is that, you know, they go in and they'll say, "Yeah, I'm a chronic alcoholic. Oh yeah, we can help you with hypnosis. I'm a heroin addict. Oh, I can help you with hypnosis. I have cancer. Oh, I can help you with hypnosis. You know, this isn't the case, you know, in, in the sense cancer, cancer, which is what I worked with. You, nobody can cure cancer, fix cancer with it. Well, can, hypnosis is going to help with anxiety and stress, of course, insomnia, pain and so on. But it cannot cure things like that. If you're a heroin addict, um, if you've been sexually abused, if you uh, are a chronic alcoholic, uh, yeah, hypnosis cannot help with these things. You know, it could maybe help as a part of a complementary therapy. Uh, if discussed and in detail, it can help alongside it. But I would turn down a huge amount of clients because morally and ethically, due to my training, and my wife is a ex-HSE, and she just retired from the HSE as a dietitian, So she would have very high levels of ethics as well. So I'd always, if I have any questions, I'd run up by her and say, this person is ringing me and they want to know, can I see them for anorexia? I say, no, you know, this is not, this is not what I'm qualified to do. And I'm qualified to a pretty high level. Uh, and I've spoken, I've spoken, I've done events for the Psychology Society, I've done events uh, around the country, uh, uh, all the academic qualifications and so on, as you mentioned. Uh, I've just been published. Uh, this is sort of the big thing that we're announcing in the next two weeks. Uh, my, my work has just been published in the Mayo Clinic, which is the world's number one research one, uh, which I can tell you about, which has just been approved for publication in the, the Mayo Clinic in America. Um, and I'm still saying no to these people. So how somebody does a weekend course or a couple of weekend courses uh, in Ireland or whatever with a makey uppy school with no academic qualifications is trying to cure people of uh, you know heroin addiction or whatever is just dragging all of us back 20 steps rather than trying to help us
0: absolutely and Jason could 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 we just kind of have a look at that cuz I did see that research recently that you did yeah. the um with the Mayo clinic about isn't it about kind of children being yeah yeah, yeah. so I worked
1: with uh, Dr. O'Sullivan, who was, was an SHO at the time, in Crumlin Hospital, but coincidentally, when my wife was working. But what we did is uh, we collaborated on a program. Uh, he found that within the triage section of the emergency room, in other words, when people were coming in and kids were injured and they had to give them a needle uh, for whatever purpose, injection for whatever it was, um, that this led to more trauma. So not only was the child and the parents upset, that they had to uh, they had an accident or whatever it was. Uh, They then had to sometimes restrain the child to give them a needle for blood or for tests or whatever. So he wanted to figure out a way around that. And I would be the father of three young children. We wouldn't listen to uh, anyone trying to hurt my child as most people. So what we developed was through a partnership. I think he started with Google uh, that he got um, the use of virtual reality equipment so the way virtual reality equipment works is is that it's a special sort of 360 camera if you can imagine it's like the thing you see on the top of the google cars except it's for domestic use office use and so on uh, and it's basically i would do we did sessions for children i don't primarily work with children um, but i developed a sort of uh, a, a strategy that i could use uh, a script if you want to call it that that i could use for children and the idea was that the session which would be recorded on virtual reality. So the child would watch uh, me speaking to them on virtual reality glasses um, and I would hypnotize them, but I would hypnotize them just for a number of minutes. So I think it might it would usually be around 10 minute sessions. So what we would do is actually they would watch me speaking to them like they were in the clinic through virtual reality glasses in the in the ER department. I would hypnotize them um, at the 10th minute, usually sort of exactly 10, 0, I would, under hypnosis, tell them they will feel something in their arm. They'll feel no discomfort, no pain, or whatever it was. Um, and that would be when the nurse was told to put the needle in at that exact time. So under hypnosis, they're visualizing this happening under no duress and no pain and feeling no discomfort, et cetera, et cetera. And in reality, the nurse is able to put the needle in at that stage. The results of Dr. O'Sullivan's um, statistics afterwards where that in 95% of cases, the children didn't feel the needle go in. So, it w- um, so for the past, I'd say, two to three years, uh, he's been working on the paper. I'm a listed author on the paper uh, due to my, my work with it. And after three years, this is how difficult it is, it's now been approved for publication in the Mayo Clinic, which is the world's number one um, research paper in the world for um, medical and psychological research. So it, it's a big thing.
0: Wow. Man. And I suppose all I know from my work as a nurse, um, you know, for 30, 30 years, I can get needles and injections yeah, yeah. for kids and adults. Like for, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's huge. Uh, that's huge, man. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, so it's, it's really interesting. And, and as I said, the more interesting thing about it is that, like, I've had people come to the clinic um, for a fear of needles. And these would be people who would need to get a biopsy. And would would have a bigger fear of the needles than they do of the cancer, yeah, so yeah. they would postpone getting a biopsy because they're too afraid of the needles, which you, you as a nurse will know is, is is pretty catastrophic, you know
0: absolutely And again, it, it's, I, I, I have a big passion around that kind of clinical hyp, hypnotherapy that we've talked about. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Jack Gibson, he worked in yeah, healthcare. yeah Street. yeah, yeah yeah. He Did um, you know, he was doing kind of surgeries, yeah, around 6,000 operations in his career as far as I know. And have you seen that documentary on the two French anesthetists? No, I haven't seen it on Netflix, is it on Netflix? And it's it's in French, it's subtitled, but there are two anesthetists, uh, which are pretty qualified doctors and yeah, anesthesiology, and they use hypnotherapy for um. And to use as an anesthetic, yeah, yeah. surgeries and lumbar punctures, Yeah, yeah. it's
1: fascinating. I, I there's, a docu- there's a documentary on um, YouTube that people can watch. It's a full BBC, it's inside BBC or Channel 4 documentary on a guy getting a hernia operation. And it was the first, it was recorded um, live with the guy under hypnosis for the hernia operation with no anesthetic. And it was overviewed by surgeons and a whole variety of people. So it's on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it, Uh, which is fascinating. But again, we're sort of... I've had one client over the years, uh, a gentleman who couldn't take an anesthetic, had to have a procedure, and he wanted to do it with me. Uh, I don't think he got permission from the HSE. They wouldn't do it, but... Um, again, we're, we're lagging behind, as you mentioned earlier on. You know, there's a big documentary recently on primetime about psychology training. Uh, I don't think to do with any of this type of training with mental health, that there's absolutely no legislation in place for anybody to be called anything. So, you know, you can call yourself a psychologist tomorrow. You don't need any qualifications according to there's no law that, you know, if I wanted to be a nurse like you, I have to register as a nurse. I want to be a doctor? I got to register as a doctor. In fact, uh, Carew were doing. My wife had to register as a dietitian. Yeah, on showing her qualifications and so on. But there's no registration for things like n- nutritionist. There's no registration for things like uh, psychologist uh, or hypnotherapist or any form of therapy. So, as you say, the problem we have is that people are just doing it as a hobby and then they're dragging us all back. I'm not saying they're not good or not bad. That's neither here nor there. But if you want to do this, you should have some type of primary degree in something and have some type of level of qualifications. You know what I mean? Rather than just, as I said, doing a weekend course, uh, deciding you want to be a hypnotherapist. And that's just kind of just we just find they're the stories that come out of people who uh, end up on Joe Duffy and so on, you know, getting us into trouble um, because of those uh, people who won't take the take the the career and the the seriousness um, of what we do to a professional level, and that just drags everybody back in my view.
0: Absolutely again like and like i'm fascinated by the clinical side like i you know i i, I kind of help people with you know irritable bowel syndrome it's, yeah that's hugely uh,
1: successful for hypnosis
0: yeah yeah insomnia right. chronic pain yeah uh, chronic pain on all, on all
1: things that can be helped with hypnosis in a realistic and documented way you know exactly yeah. you know all so the research, interesting about it you know?
0: yeah all the researchers there and actually pain, which is a massive problem all over the world and uh, it, it, that's what caused the uh, opioid crisis in the states and chronic pain is best kind of has one of the best success rates from hypnotherapy
1: yeah well you can see it with hypnobirthing you can see it with uh, hypnosurgery you can physically see a, as you say a a documentary a, a movie a program showing people under hypnosis um getting operated on so you can't you can't make that up i think that's the polite way of saying yeah. it you know you can't uh, sort of BS your way around that. You cannot cut someone open and pretend then it's sort of woo woo. You know, uh, it has to be real. And it is very real for those people. Uh, and the same with, as you mentioned there, the, the one thing that you will look again, when anyone looks up hypnotherapy on, on Google or Google Scholar, you'll find that it just mentions uh, the Harvard studies into IBS showing that there's a very it's one of the few psychosomatic things that hypnosis is very, very effective for.
0: Yeah, exactly. So look, exciting times, Jason, which is good news for, you know, people like myself and yourself who yeah. are so passionate around this. Yeah. And good news for everyone out there who has, you know, like maybe kind of an issue with IBS or chronic pain that, you know, there is an alternative to patients to the medical model. Now, look, at the medical model has its place. Again, I've been a nurse for 30 years, yeah. but there is alternatives as well. Yeah, I would have it like I would agree with you. I think I uh,
1: have friends who are in the medical professions, and my wife sort of a little bit in it as well. I would my view of the medical model is that the medical model is very good for certain things. Like the doctors do things very well. They do surgery very well. They do emergency medicine very well. Uh, when it comes to you know a lot of other issues, especially mental health. They Like you can ask any doctor and the majority of them will barely have got a couple of lectures in anything from dietetics, nutrition to mental health. They're the sort of things that the medical profession fall down on. You have to think about it from a customer or patient point of view. The average GP will see somebody for seven minutes. So if the average therapist like us will see someone for the best part of 45 minutes an hour, um, how is somebody you have got a bit of anxiety? You go to your GP. All they're going to say is. Take a pill. They can't do any more for you. You got a fear of flying? Same thing. Get a pill. You got stress, anxiety, insomnia? Take a pill. Because that's that's you, you know. If you watch a lot of documentaries on this, you'll realize they are trained um, in the medical model. They don't have any experience of anything. Now, some GPs are a lot better than others, but in, in general, that's what I find is that, especially with anxiety, you find people who are anxious or stressed. They go to the doctor, they give the medication, and then the client or the patient is twice as stressed because they're now worried about becoming addicted to the medication.
0: And there's a great psychologist, have you heard of him, Dr. Michael Yapko? He does a lot of work on depression. Yeah. And he talks about skills, not pills. So you're kind of teaching people skills and to kind of, you know, to take some ownership over, let's say, you know, kind of how they're feeling. Like, again, rather than just taking pills, I look at there's a place, obviously, for medic, for the medical model, but, you know, there are alternatives, which is exciting. Yeah, my, my view has always been on, the, on, on what you're saying. My view has
1: always been this. I always say to every client that comes into my door, every client, it's the basics you need to take care of. And when I mean the basics is I mean whether, and I know it's a, it's a question you have for me as well about my own mental health and so on and so on. How do you manage it? And how does anyone manage it? My opening silo to every person especially when they're coming in with things like anxiety, insomnia, things like that, unless it's biological. You know, we're talking about biological depression where there's an imbalance of chemicals in the brain. Yes, that's where the medical model comes in. Totally. 100 percent. No problem. If it's things like anxiety, which are more socially based, what I find is that I will say to everybody on day one, when they come to see me uh, to look at your life, I always describe it like a pie. And I'll always say, look, you know, how's your sleep? How's your diet? How's your friend circle? How's your work? How's your relationships? Uh, you know, a sort of a, a, a sort of pie that each each of us has these six or seven slices, if you want to visualize it like that in our lives. And each one has to be met. If you're working 24 hours a day, oh, then there's going to be an imbalance. If you're in the gym 24 hours a day, there's going to be imbalance. If you're drinking 24 hours a day, if you're not socializing at all, it's the same thing. There has to be a, a sort of balance within your lifestyle. Um, if you're sleeping too much it's bad if you're sleeping, not sleeping enough it's bad if you're eating too much it's bad if you're not eating enough it's bad so it, there is this happy medium across all those subjects and that is the sort of happiness vibe that you need to get to to, to achieve some type of normality in your mental health
0: yeah I love that Jason, it's all about balance absolutely, well man look at thank you for sharing that amazing toolkit with me and how you're helping you know, so many people with that toolkit and can you tell me now how you mind you so like my as i said my key is
1: you know, so i'm unfortunately stuck doing weight loss all day every day so i always i'm constantly worried about my diet that's the thing for me so to, to counteract that i'm very strict on how i eat or what i eat um not in a good way or a bad way but i'm just more aware of it so that's my sort of achilles heel you know if you're working with clients day in day out about weight loss it's so aware in your own head even if I've always been a big person. I wouldn't say I'm particularly overweight, a stone or two, like everybody else, I suppose. But I'm just so aware of it, so I have to manage that myself. So I will. Uh, I constantly make sure I get plenty of sleep. That's the number one thing for me. So now my kids are a little bit older. My youngest is six, but I definitely found that wearing on me when they were younger, the lack of sleep that you have with young kids. So now they're older, I'm sort of making sure I get my eight hours, seven, eight hours of sleep a night. I walk every day. Got dogs. I walk at least once or twice a day. I always make time uh, every day to... Food is my enjoyment. I'm not talking about bad food or good food, just I like the the side of socialization that I always go for lunch, either my wife or would it be my accountant or would it be my friends every day or sometimes on my own every day. I always make sure that food is sort of a part of... a nice part of my life, that I don't drink alcohol, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, never have, I'm 50 years old, never touched a drink a cigarette. That's my number one rule. And no alcohol, no cigarettes, no drugs. Uh, I don't believe really, uh, I'm pretty much, I like having a boring life. I know that doesn't sound exciting. I had enough excitement for years and I like going doing my events in the evening and so on. But I like no drama in my life. So no drama, no stress. I don't associate with people who are drama or stressful. Uh, I don't have friends who are into drinking, into gambling, into smoking, uh, anything like that at all. I don't associate with people like that. So in other words, I just keep all the drama out of my life to keep my stress levels down. Uh, and I recently got my heart checked because, you know, turned 50, said I might as well listen to what those nurses and doctors are telling me. You know, check your heart. And uh, the, the cardiologist came back and said, at 50, my arteries have zero plaque in them, which is a is, is pretty good result, I think. You'll agree as a nurse.
0: Absolutely. So if, whatever you're doing, it's working. Yeah, zero plaque at 50 is pretty
1: good. I you know, get your nurse's opinion on that. Would you agree with that? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so that's well, what I do. Well, Jason, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And where can people find you? So the D4 Clinic, uh, D4Clinic.ie is our website. Um, the our
1: website, as I said, over the past few years has sort of evolved. When I started doing my hypnosis, uh, it would just be one-to-one. Uh, I've now developed uh online programs, uh, again, more cost-effective for people. So rather than having to come and have a session with me in the clinic in BlackRock and Dublin, what I do is um I'd have a whole collection of stuff available to download. Um, for everything from insomnia to IBS, to so people can we have a very cost effective way of doing it. That if people can't afford or can't make it up here to Dublin to see me, um, we would have a sort of 49 euro download ab- available for nearly everybody, which is pretty much in everyone's budget. And again, they get to keep that download so they can listen to the hypnotherapy. We also do personalized sessions that can be sent to people. We also do uh, obviously in clinic programs. So the D4 clinic is where
0: all my details are. Cool. Well, look, I'll put a link to your website onto this podcast and again Jason, thank you so much for being so honest and so kind and so generous with me and for sharing with me how, yeah. you, how you mind others, that amazing toolkit that you have and how you mind you and keep up the great work and best of luck with everything you do in the future. Thank you very much Brian Thank you so much for listening to Mind you i hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care please like subscribe and follow mind you podcast wherever you listen to it and please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world you can find me and mind you at brian